And we are back. Uh, here's another episode of the pod, Spandex Planet. Thanks for listening in. It's been a pretty crazy week uh, on the WWE front. I find myself really <clears throat> kind of gravitating more towards the WWE, or at least watching WWE more religiously than than um, other products. Obviously, I I recognize that it's uh, one of those things where it's the most accessible and it's on every week, so that makes sense. But I just I remember a time when I mean I, I bear I mean I kept up with WWE, but I was always watching Ring of Honor or PWG or, you know, something to that effect. And now it just it's tough to follow. There's so much going on. And I think that, you know, I'll watch some stuff here and there, but I guess I just don't quite follow it. So uh, I feel like, you know, that might, I might not be alone in that. Um, I still obviously have interests in um, the other products, but I don't know. I just think WWE is just easier to follow, and there's so much going on all the time. Speaking of which, uh, Superstar Shakeup, they moved Aleister Black and uh, Andrade to um, Raw and then back to SmackDown, so that was interesting. Um, a ton of movement uh, moving guys you know, from one show back to the other, and I think it makes sense with... Uh, Zelina Vega and Aleister Black in, in that specific example, but pretty um, pretty interesting time. Um, I remember when things were so cookie cutter, and you could predict pretty much every move that was going to be made. And and now it just you know some things of course are going to be um, the norm, but you know other stuff is is way less predictable and it's 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 fun to watch i think i'm happy that they changed uh war machine back from um what they were called the previous week the viking experience to the viking raiders i mean still don't love that name i think war machine was a perfect name for them but i you know it's not i i apparently there there's some reason obviously that they are not the uh, War Machine anymore, or War Raiders, or War anything, and they really want to drive home the Viking thing, but, you know, I can live with it. Uh, changing their, you know, first names also, not my favorite thing, but is what it is, you know? So, aside from watching wrestling, I've been spending a lot of time on TikTok, and I don't know if, like, anyone else is a TikTok fan, but I, uh, somebody had sent me a video at one point and it ended up being a TikTok. And I guess I just didn't really recognize what it was. So I, I had seen like ads on social media, like Facebook and stuff like that of people like lip syncing. And so I thought that's what it was. I thought the entire app was people like getting a song and then lip syncing to it. And I think there may have been another app that it merged with Oh, I'm I'm not sure necessarily about that, but anyway, this this app is probably one of my favorite things um, that's ever happened to me. Um, it's really uh, hilarious because a lot of like the popular or like front page or for you page videos are very like weird uh, or like awkward people 
lip syncing and just doing weird things and it's uh very amusing and there's also some really like talented like funny people on there that are just that just make funny content and so i can literally spend hours on that app um just scrolling through and listening to uh lip syncs and people's just original content and it's just fantastic the only thing on there is there's there's folks on there that are just so obviously pedophiles and like they're lip syncing songs that you know young kids enjoy and like filming themselves doing this thing this thing called duet where maybe somebody films a video and then you can like pair a video alongside of it as like a partnership and there's like one guy in particular i always see this like overweight gentleman uh older guy who's just always doing these duet videos with like really young girls and it's just it's it's actually really really creepy and i know there's a lot of stories that come out of uh that app that are not favorable I mean, that's not great, but it is what it is. Um, as far as the original content on there, highly recommend it. Um, I'm actually going to be starting another podcast with my buddy. Um, it's really, you know, an idea that we had about, you know, TikTok specifically because we all we both spend a lot of time on there. So that'll happen one of these days uh, as well. That's, that's, that's how deep my passion goes for TikTok. Um, in other news, other things that I've been doing, I actually watched the 1998 Royal Rumble on the WWE Network, and I'm not 100% sure why I did that, but that that's something that happened and something that occurred. Um, you know, that was a, a really interesting time in uh, WWF at the time, Um and it was really like at the height of the popularity for Steve Austin and the rock was starting to kind of come into his own. And there was the light heavyweight division and a lot of stuff going on. Um, I don't know why I chose this, but I, I did. And so I'd love to kind of run down my thoughts on it and just kind of talk about stuff I liked and then stuff that I didn't like. So, uh, 1998 is weird. So the attitude era gets a lot of love because it really, you know, Push the envelope, and it, um, it it kind of changed the game for wrestling. It, it made professional wrestling super popular in the '90s, and so obviously credit where credit is due. However, if you look at the quality of match versus matches that are going on now, it was certainly did not live up to that expectation. It was a lot of uh, a lot of punches and kicks, a lot of brawling that you know the Steve Austin style, as I call it, and that doesn't mean that it's bad but you know as far as athleticism and um you know even just the excitement of different moves and the pace and things like that that really wasn't what it was about it was more about the character um and the storyline which is not bad it's just that's how it was in the 90s so keep in mind a lot of these matches are short um and not a lot went on in them so i am looking at it through an objective eye for sure um and so, you know, watching it, the backstory, um, this was really, you know, like I said, Steve Austin's like coming out party, if you will. Um, and this was the Royal Rumble that led to the Shawn Michaels uh, Stone Cold WrestleMania 14 main event. So the Rumble was really like focused around Steve Austin and he was obviously the favorite to win. So 
We started things off with Vader um, versus the artist formerly known as Gold Dust. He was doing a gimmick at this time with Luna, Luna uh, Vachon, um, and uh, he came out dressed mostly in like lingerie and weird clothing like that. Had a remix to his song that I actually really enjoy, his entrance theme. Um, came out, it was a fine, very basic Attitude Era style match. Vader ended up picking up the win. Then we moved on to a like luchador little people midget <laughs> match it was weird it was max mini mosaic and nova uh, and they beat el torito uh battalion and tarantula and sunny was the special guest referee she also you know this was around a time where sunny was definitely starting to um do some random things here and there she'd come out and like manage people she would be um there the special guest referee things like that um and it was stupid, and I wish I didn't watch it. And then we had The Rock uh, and Ken Shamrock for the Intercontinental title. This is, like, right around the time where uh, The Rock came out, came up with the nickname The Rock. He was still, you know, in the Nation of Domination, and he uh, was still Rocky Maivia, but he was, you know, he had that heel turn. And so he was having everybody call him The Rock, which eventually, as we all know, um, stuck. Um this match was actually a lot of fun. I really am a big Ken Shamrock fan, so that was cool. They had a feud going on, and the Rock won by DQ. Um, I was I was a fan of that one for sure. And then we moved on to the Legion of Doom um, versus the New Age Outlaws. It was weird having two DQs in a row. Uh, Legion of Doom wins by by disqualification uh, for the tag titles. I added there was just bizarre. Um, so two DQs in a row was weird for me to see, but it it you know, and that match was again. Nothing special, um, just setting up some other stuff. Uh, and then the Royal Rumble match was actually a lot of fun. You know, there's a lot of interesting characters in there. I forgot about Kurgan, so I got to see Kurgan uh, get in there and just be all awkward and tall. I really loved what they did with uh, Mick Foley. Um, so he entered as Cactus Jack, got eliminated, and then a few um, entries later, he came back as Mankind, and then he came back, you know, as Dude Love. And I think that... Um, it's, you know, it's a cool idea um, to do to utilize Mick Foley's uh, all three of his gimmicks like that. Um, that was a fun one for me to watch. And then, um, you know, obviously Steve Austin picked up the win, setting up the main event of WrestleMania. Huge pop from the crowd. Austin was like as hot as ever at this point, so made sense. It felt like a little bit of a shorter Royal Rumble. Um, I think it clocked in, if I'm looking at Wikipedia, it clocked in at 55 minutes, 25 seconds, um, which is, like, not short. It's about average, I would say. I think some have gone over an hour, but this one just felt short. I don't know. Uh, and then main event was the uh, Shawn Michaels-Undertaker casket match for the for the title, and I think this is... This is where Shawn Michaels, like, hurt his back. I think it was an accumulation, but this is really, like... The final straw in that the the nail in the in the coffin if you will so um that that match was actually you know a little bit longer and uh i enjoyed it man sean michaels really knows what he's doing um so that was all in all it was a good show man and you know mike tyson watching from above uh really weird to put tyson in in, in the middle of things i went forward and watched some raws after that, like the uh, Road to WrestleMania type Raws, and 
yeah, Tyson was very prevalent on that time. Also, he had super dope entrance music. I remember getting, so like around this time, I certainly, I you know, I was very young, so I, I watched it, but like not how I would watch it now, if that makes sense, because I was like very young. And so like I knew what it was, but I didn't like follow it religiously, nor did I like know how to like find it, but somehow I would. And, you know, maybe not every single week, just sometimes, I don't know, but I was really young. I was like literally six years old. So, um, I don't know how that would look. I mostly played WWF attitude around that time or Warzone 98. Um, as opposed to actually watching every single week, but I definitely watched. Um, but my point is, I think like, you know, I missed a lot of this kind of stuff or I like vaguely remember it. I certainly didn't order WrestleMania 14 in 1998. So in like 2002, this three disc set came out, which I think is still like one of the best pieces of nostalgia for me to think about wrestling wise was when anthology came out. Um, and it's like a three disc set that took music from like the golden age, the attitude era. And then now and took just like popular themes and compiled them onto a disc and man, I spent hours just listening to that music and like, it was just so cool to me at that time. And, uh, Mike Tyson's theme was on the attitude era disc, which was the best disc. Um, and man, it was so dope. Uh, to hear Mike Tyson's theme because I didn't like remember it and it it's like a remixed version of the DX theme but so much fucking better and I I feel like that's one of those things that that's crazy that was basically used for Tyson who was there for a, a couple months um, you know in and out and really had the big finale at WrestleMania and that was that but that was uh that was a dope thing man and so hearing that again brought back some memories and it really got me thinking about anthology also uh. I used so, you know, backyard wrestling uh, was obviously a huge part of my life. And I think that's true uh, for most professional wrestling fans. I think that's one of the first ventures that you really have is the backyard circuit, um, if you would like to call it that. And uh, we had a trampoline. Me and me and old Mike had a trampoline wrestling federation, and we actually had no other friends that enjoyed wrestling, or just no friends because we were fucking weirdos. But uh, we would just have different characters and have a lot of singles matches, and sometimes include like one of our friends or like my little brother or whatever. Um, and I remember utilizing anthology a lot. I used the brawl for all theme uh, because it was just like one of those like total wrestling style themes that like no like individual had used and time had passed uh since you know brawl for all occurred and it just like i use that as my theme music i remember thought it was so dope and then from there transitioned to like limp biscuit because that was the type of um child that i was unfortunately uh <laughs> and so like my persona was k-dog 911 uh, which is a story in itself, and uh, Mike was always Revic, which is another story in itself, and I think they're both short enough to where I could tell both of them right now. So let's start with the K Dog nine one one thing. I think like my I, this is at this time. This was like two thousand three, two thousand four, when we started our like wrestling backyard wrestling group, and. 
I was really getting into experimenting. So we used to have this thing in California called Suncoast Videos, and they just had, it was like FYE, if that you know makes sense. Um, and and they had like a a weird. It wasn't in my hometown, but it was certainly like in a somewhere closer. And I'd go with my parents to like a mall, and it would be there. And in Suncoast, they had like a section of just like really obscure to me at the time wrestling DVDs and they would have like a bin and some of them would be super cheap. It's like all stars of wrestling with honky tonk man and Jimmy Snuka. And it was like in a high school gym somewhere, some indie events just compiled into like showcases on DVD and other ones would be like, uh, XPW was, there was a lot of that there. So, um, I would, grab those and then the backyard wrestling was huge at that time the backyard wrestling series the guys like signed some contract with some company i'm sure there's a huge backstory behind it um that i will go into probably at another time um but i I was really into those dvds and so I, i purchased those or my parents purchased those for me and i uh watched a lot of xpw and there was so much stuff on there that I had never seen before, but I was so interested in. I, of course, had seen, like, heard of ECW and, like, seen clips of it on WWE programming, but XPW was so confusing to me. And so, it's see, like, I had this one particular DVD, and it had, like, um, Messiah, uh, and there's, like, a guy in the crowd on the camera is, like, like zooming up towards, like, the entranceway, and this guy just keeps saying, Messiah! messiah baby messiah messiah and then he's just like looking at the camera yelling that this fan and me and mike used to we still do that to each other sometimes we just go messiah baby uh because that shit is hilarious um so you know a lot of these dudes like wrestled in like t-shirts and fucking like hardy boys type pants and it was uh a lot of it was bad because it was like deathmatch style wrestling a lot of it was good and there was a guy named homeless jimmy that was on there um Terry Funk wrestled there sometimes though as well. And then uh there's a guy named that really caught my imagination and his name was Pogo the Clown. This big fat ass guy. <laughs> uh terrible, but you know, things and then Nasawa was there who still wrestles I believe somewhere. So I was watching that and getting like ideas um on top of that with the backyard wrestling. One guy that really caught my imagination who was on there was M-Dog 20. Uh, He still wrestles, and now he's like a legit big-time wrestler. He was on Tough Enough in 2011. Big indie guy on Lucha Underground, a son of Havoc. Um, Matt Cross is what he goes by now. But in the backyard, um, at least on these backyard wrestling DVDs, his name was M-Dog 20, uh, and he wore like white pants and like a white bandana and he was just jumping off of shit, jumping off of basketball hoops and balconies and just doing crazy shit, gymnastic stuff that I'd never seen before. And I was obsessed with him. Um, it was him and Josh prohibition who also had a pretty good indie career, um, after that. And they were just doing dumb shit, honestly, in the backyard. But, um, that M dog thing really caught my attention. So M dog K dog K. Why is it a K? I have no idea. Just sounded good. And then instead of 20, I just chose nine one one. Uh, at one point we made shirts with like iron on printer paper and it literally had an ambulance on it and it said nine one one call the ambulance or something like that. 
And so basically I wore like black jeans, a black Undertaker Big Evil t-shirt from 2002 and a black bandana like M-Dog, same type of bandana except black. And uh, that was me. I came out to Limp Bizkit and I was a fat, short little kid and looked terrible and did dumb shit. And that was that. Um, but those were like my inspiration for Backyard. Um, and it was just a lot of XPW and Backyard Wrestling DVDs. Um, it was also really cool to have a DVD that showed like naked chicks on it. Uh, like Tylene Buck was on there and some other random girls who I don't know who they are. Um, and so that was also cool as a young, as a young man, as like an 11 or 12 year old to have access to that anytime I wanted. Uh, on top of that, you know, there was backyard wrestling included in that. And like, I know like Sanjay Dutt is on there and there's, there's a lot of dudes who ended up actually being, professionals after that so it's pretty cool um they ended up making like games and and stuff like that also to go along with that and i was super into those obviously eventually like fell out of it but at the time that that shit was so cool to me and to mike and like he didn't have them so we would you know i'd bring him to his house we'd watch him we would like trade wrestling figures i would let him borrow the backyard wrestling stuff we would purchase legends of wrestling on ps2 and play that and trade that and Back in the days of Blockbuster where you could rent it um, as well. And, and that kind of stuff is really what inspired us and started opening up our horizons, I guess. Um, once I really learned there was other stuff besides WWE um, around that time, like 2002, 2003, I was buying those DVDs. And uh, my parents always had cable. And I recall seeing a commercial in a hotel room for some reason. I don't know where the fuck we were or why I would have seen this, but it was a commercial for NWA TNA and it had like Christopher Daniels and Christopher Daniels looked so awesome to me. Like the, he it was full on fallen angel gimmick. They showed a little highlight package of him doing the best moonsault ever and the last rites and things like that. And I was like, what is this? This looks amazing. And I believe they maybe showed abyss. Um, and like kid cash or something like that. And I was just like, this is crazy. So, uh, I ended up finding that on pay-per-view and it was like 10 bucks. Um, and I saw that it was every Wednesday. It's probably 12 at this point. And I was just like, Holy shit. Like, can I order this? My parents were super cool. They're like, yeah, go ahead. Looking back, it's weird. They had like a weekly show that was just on pay-per-view, um, out of Nashville. Um, super weird. Uh, but it was cool. It was in the asylum, and obviously this is TNA Impact, um, the early days. And uh, I remember ordering it, and this is still VHS time. So I, of course, recorded it. Shh, don't tell anyone. Uh, and this was the first time I saw AJ Styles. And so he came out. He already looked cool. So, like, as a kid, the cooler you look, the more interested I am in you. But I see AJ uh, looking cool shit already, so super into it. And then the match starts, and I know it was a tag match, and I know Abyss was in the match, and I don't know why or what the match was or, or anything like that. But I recall, you know, one of the first things he did, and maybe it's skewed in my memory, but the, one of the first things he did is he posted up on Abyss's chest in the corner, like jumped and put both feet on his chest and then backflipped off of his chest. And I thought that was the craziest shit that I had ever seen. And from there he was doing like his like, um, like 
backflip into reverse DDT. And I think he did like a shooting star press to the outside. And I think he even like missed a spiral tap in that match. And I was like, what is this? This is insane. Um, and specifically AJ. And I remember like one of the things that caught my attention in like the info of the pay-per-view is it's like, see former like wrestling stars, like Scott Hall. And like, and I was like, Oh, that's awesome. I know who that, like, you know, he's not in WWE anymore. Um, so it's funny that that ended up being like this kind of like indie niche thing with like new talent in there. Um, and I, you know, I of course didn't know, I didn't watch WCW in 2001. So I, I don't, I didn't know who AJ Styles was. I'd never seen him and it literally blew me away to the, like, I couldn't fucking believe what I was seeing. I had really like, even those XPW things, there wasn't a lot of like really athletic, like crazy shit like that. It was just like, lighting people on fire and hitting them with chairs and a lot of like suplexes and power bombs through tables and shit. And this was just like, I, it was like gymnastics. And, and I think it was, you know, close to the backyard wrestling thing that I was so into. And it, it freaked me out. So I taped it. I watched it back a hundred times. I remember going to, um, Mike's house and bringing it and it blew his fucking mind. And he was just like, what is, this is insane and we instantly became crazy AJ Styles just marks brother um it it really changed the way that we like thought about wrestling and uh it was uh it, it was a game changer man and so then every week I was ordering those and taping them Mike's fucking cheap as shit so he, even as a child so he didn't do it but uh my parents let me and I always recorded it and just seeing guys like Kid Cash, who, you know, later on when I was actually wrestling, I ran into a few times, and he's a super cool dude. Um, and seeing him and Lance Hoyt, who ended up being Vance Archer, who's, you know, in New Japan right now, um, w- was really cool because, you know, Vance or uh, his name, Lance Hoyt at the time, you know, he's a giant dude doing moonsaults and things like that. So that was insane to me. Jeff Jarrett and I mean I didn't really care about that but still it was still cool to see him because I remembered him and D'Lo Brown was there and X-Pac was there as Sean Waltman um, and then just the X Division like with Christopher Daniels and Elix Skipper and um, Low Key it was just like it, it literally blew our, our minds and really just made us so much more like rabid about consuming wrestling any way that we could and we would just literally at school for hours be like drawing up like gimmick ideas for different characters we wanted to do and moves we wanted to do and we were planning shows and whenever we could like on weekends we would go and 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 practice and practice and then film we had our weekly show was called carnage and we weren't live brother but we were pre-taped so we would uh you know film four four shots in a row um, come up with different types of characters and, and like I said, kind of draw up the, the clothing ideas. And then we had our big, like, pay-per-view style shows. Our big one was Trample Mania because we're on a, you know, trampoline uh, that had the infamous uh, last man standing match between uh, Revic and K-Dog 911 for the KWA Trampoline Championship. Um, instant classic. Um and uh, <laughs> it was, uh, man, it, that was really setting the foundation for, like, 
going from like, this is something that I really am interested in to I need to do this. Like I'm going to be a professional wrestler. And I think everyone has that type of moment, but really what reinforced it was finding stuff outside of WWE. Now don't, don't get me wrong. I, I still like loved WWE and I still watched it religiously, but you know, finding out that that's not all that professional wrestling was, was a game changer. And so I just think it's really cool to look back on that kind of stuff and recall like what made you a fan and it keeps you honest. Like when you're watching wrestling, I think it's really easy to find all the shit that you hate, but um, looking back and just remembering what made you love it in the first place, it just helps you enjoy things more because it, it honestly sucks to just hate everything. Oh, and I, I was actually, I was going to talk about how we came up with the name Revic for Mike. So uh, we were also very into prank calls, had our own prank call CDs. Uh, we were the MJ Boys, very um, creative name. And at one point, um, we called some business and left a stupid voicemail, and they ended up calling me back, and I don't know how. We were pretty smart, <laughs> or so we thought. But anyway, they ended up calling me back, and... and you know, this person, the town we grew up in was full of just dumb idiots, honestly, just like rednecks, um, in a bad way. Um, and, uh, I remember they called me back and they were asking about something like my name and like, as if I'm just going to tell them. And I can't remember why there was some company like logo that I had saw that had the name Vic in it. And so I said my name was Vic, right? And I just remember telling that story, and Mike thought it was so hilarious. And we were really obsessed at the time with the word revolution, and I don't know why. We just wanted to call everything revolution, just because wrestling, revolution is just a kind of a buzzword. And so Mikey wanted to have uh, something in his name that had to do with revolution. So honestly, he put together Rev from Revolution and then Vic from that funny story, and Revic was born. That's literally how the name was came up with, and it stuck with him all the way through our adult years into actual professional wrestling. And it's seriously hilarious to think about how that um, how that came about. But that's that's how it came about. Um, I think that uh, you know he had Revic, and then I had K Dog Nine One One. And as far as other characters, obviously he's a big, and, and we both were huge RVD fans, so he did Spike Dragon, which was a, essentially a masked Rob Van Dam style character. My next character was, I believe, Gory Gila, which is a whole, f- literally the worst fucking name ever. But I remember hearing Gory Guerrero, um, like on SmackDown, because that's Eddie's um, father, and thinking Gory was a super cool name. And then I wanted to be like a monster, like Kane. It was a Kane style character. And so, uh, Gory Gila, uh, is the name because a Gila monster terrible, but that's what happened. It came out in a Jason hockey, uh, hockey mask, um, which is also inspired by Josh prohibition on the backyard wrestling DVDs. Um, did all of Kane's moveset plus a TKO for some reason. And, uh, Used Kane's entrance theme and everything. Very unoriginal. Uh, and then we needed more characters because we needed more matches. Matches. We needed to, to keep it fresh. So um, we came up with Hardcore Kid for Mike, which is just like a, 
I don't know, just another like RVD style character, but but a little more like wholesome. Like he wore like an American flag bandana and did a lot of like diving elbow drops for some reason. Uh, and then, and uh, and I think the name Hardcore Kid came from Aaron Aguilera, the pro- professional, actual professional wrestler. Um, and then I came up with Chris Van X. I have no idea whatsoever how I came up with that, but I came out in a leather jacket. And that was another like hardcore style character because we watched a lot of backyard wrestling in XPW and that's just how it, how it went. Um, and I think that's pretty much like, we did some like one-off characters here and there. Um, eventually Chris Van X storyline wise, um, injured himself and we had watched a lot of old like 2001 WWF at that time. And it was like Perry Saturn's punishment for, injuring Mike Bell or something. that's the the word on the street and they made him literally like mentally retarded and he like like hits his head and so we literally did that where I kept taking a move and landing on my head and then I was slow and literally my character like turned into wearing a leather jacket and doing hardcore style matches to coming out with a teddy bear uh with pajamas on and and just I think not quite PC these days it, I don't think that would go over well but that's what we did. Uh, and, uh, you know, eventually Mike moved away. So the trampoline also moved away. Um, but he would come out and visit every single year because I think Mikey and one of his sisters took that move really hard and his parents recognized that. And, you know, he obviously has good parents. And so, um, they found out a way for them to come back to our hometown pretty much every summer for a little bit of time. And that was like really, really nice. Um, and I'm sure they had people that they wanted to see also, but, Basically, uh, they would come back, and when they came back, Mikey would stay with me, and we would pull the mattresses off of all the beds in my parents' house and uh, line it with canvas and just keep on working. And we would just film months' worth of stuff, upload it onto GeoCities, uh, upload it onto Windows Movie Maker, and just like edit like little clips of the matches and learn how to video edit. <laughs> um and so that was kind of our tradition really, you know, forever. So we would talk for an entire year on the phone from age like 13, 14, 15, and just go over like character ideas, how we were going to change our characters, where we were going to get gear. We bought like, like Academy martial arts kick pads and Mikey's sister's super artistic. So she would draw on them and make like designs for us. And we would kind of go from there and, uh, dress ourselves up and go out and just film a bunch of matches and try to have storylines. And my parents, uh, you know, growing up, I didn't have a ton of money, but my parents got back on their feet and, and were, you know, had a good source of income flowing in. So they were remodeling their house. And at one point, this is when I was in like seventh grade, I believe that summer, uh, they were building a deck and it didn't have a railing yet because it was just being built around that summertime. And so we were using it as like a platform to jump off of, uh, as like a top rope. So we were trying to do like, you know, frog splashes and moonsaults and swanton bombs and things like that. And we introduced my, my little brother just beat the fucking shit out of him. He still has a ton of anxiety to this day. And I'm sure it's from those days because we would beat the hell out of him. Um, and, you know, try to get him included. Um, a lot of uh, creative differences, a lot of fights, 
when we were backyarding. Uh, and uh, I remember at one point, this is like turning back the clock to before even the trampoline. We wanted somewhere to wrestle. And so Mikey and his mom and his sister, both of his sisters, they built a ring uh, in the in his backyard. And I mean, you know, cardboard and like, I think they use like those pool toys that you lay out on and like ropes and I'm, they worked really hard on it and painted it. And, uh, that was like the first iteration of our wrestling, like promotion. And, uh, I remember we got into an argument about a match that was not even being filmed, but it was so important to us when we were like 10 and I got, I was a little shit, honestly. And I got real upset and I remember he said something to me that hurt my feelings or something. So I like pulled the rope out that he worked really hard on, like ripped it out of his little like makeshift turnbuckle. And I remember him like tackling me onto the ground <laughs> and we would like literally get into like a fist fight. Um, another time we got into another creative difference and I was like, no, I don't want to do it that way. And we were having like a backstage type of brawl and there was like a futon uh, in this little garage that he had. And I was like, no, I don't want you to do that. And he did it anyway or something. And I got pissed off and I kicked him in his asshole. I'll never forget that. Um, he was facing the other way and kind of bent over for some reason. And I literally kicked him in my toe legitimately went into his asshole. Like I kicked him as hard as I could. And then he came back and kicked me and we wrestled around and got over it. Um, there's even one on film actually where we were filming and, uh, we were on the trampoline and dude, I don't know. I kept calling something and this is so funny to think about at like 11 or 12. And I'm like, choke slam, choke slam, just for the sake of the conversation. And I go to choke slam him and he fucking doesn't take it or reverses it. I don't know. I, like I said, it was a little shit and I got frustrated. So I remember just like hitting him on the back or something and like jumping I was way bigger than him. I was like a fat kid jumping and putting all my weight on top of his body and like crushing him a little bit. And then I kind of like slid off and then he like kicked me in the nuts <laughs> and I like fell to the ground and he went down and tried to like grab me or something. And I tried to like punch him like in the back of the head. And like, it was literally the most hilarious thing. And then we were just fine. 10 seconds later. Um, but we were so passionate about backyard wrestling and just wanted it to look so good. And we were so confident. Uh, so we just took it really seriously, man. And, uh, honestly, there was times in the backyard where I felt like we were actually doing stuff that was better than some of the indie wrestling in our local town that we would see. And then looking back now, it was not, it was awful. But, um, even after Mike stopped, coming back out to California um, with his family. I get it. It's really expensive to do that. Um, I, you know, I didn't see him for a few years and then he had built an actual ring in Tennessee in his, his backyard with like literal like wood and like real two by fours, like for like, like cemented in for um, turnbuckles and like, like kind of ropes. I, I think he's maybe a real rope. Um, but I mean, it looked like a ring. There's carpet padding and like it looked, like a real ring. And he started wrestling with our, our buddy Zach, who he met in Tennessee, who has been already been in a ton of our stories and this other young gentleman named, uh, Robert Bobo. Um, we just called him Bobo. And, uh, 
man, I had my mom. I was like, please, can I go to Tennessee? I've never been, and I want to visit Mikey. And I was probably 15, 16 at this point. And man, I had a, I have great parents, and they paid for me to fly to Tennessee. This is the first flight I ever I ever took, California to Tennessee. Long flight, got very sick. But yeah, man, we just kind of kicked things off from there. We rebranded. We used that revolution word that I talked about earlier. It was Revolution One Wrestling, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun, man. We um, updated K Dog to um, Chris Series. I don't know where that name came from. I don't even remember making it up, but that was my name. Shaved my head into a mohawk and wore a headband. I took it a lot more serious, and I had thinned out a lot. Um, puberty was very good to me. And so from here, you know, obviously didn't have great psychology, but we were doing some cool moves and moonsaults and 450 splashes and things like that. And it was, it was, um, like confirmation that we could probably, you know, actually do this and wrestle. And we filmed a ton of shows, had so much fun doing it. And again, took it really seriously. Mikey had become way more advanced with video editing. So, um, that, you know, assisted with editing the videos for like YouTube. Um, and yeah, and it kind of continued like that for a few years. 2010 was the same story. 2011 was the same story. We would, you know, the first year I say that because the first year I went out was 2009. So it's funny to think about that. And I would just go out and, and we would do, film a bunch of backyard matches and have characters and, um, 2011 was the last year that we backyarded because then we, we were 18 and we went to wrestling school and, and, you know, we were off to the races and, you know, we never got hurt. We were pretty safe. I think that the, the thing about backyard wrestling is kids are just stupid and they do dumb shit. And I think if you're just smart about it, it's not a bad thing. I mean, if you love it, it's a great outlet. Um, you can be really creative. Um, and honestly, I think it gave us a leg up in wrestling school because we were doing a lot of this stuff and we studied the product and we studied the art form. So we already kind of knew how to do it. Um, I, I do, obviously there was like finessing and practice and, and tweaks that needed to be made. But for the most part, it was kind of just more practice. You know what I mean? And, and I, again, I feel like that gave us a leg up on a lot of folks in wrestling school and we kind of had a good grasp on, on what to do. And don't get me wrong. It is 100% different when you go from backyarding to an actual professional wrestling match and professional professional wrestling show in a real ring. It's night and day, very different, but nonetheless, I still think it was a lot of fun and it's a lot of fun to look back on and, and talk about. I really actually wasn't expecting to talk about like backyard wrestling and going through that, but uh, it just kind of came up and I went on a little bit of a rant, and so that's what we talked about. Um, next week, we will probably... Well, next week, I, I'm not sure what I'll have uploaded. I have some crazy traveling going on. Um, definitely going to work on making sure. If we take a break for a week or two, it um, it happens. But uh, I will work on you know not doing that, and, and we'll probably stick... Back with the professional stuff, I'll come up with a story, um, pull a story out from the old memory bank and, and see where we go from there. Uh, and I think that uh, I will leave you with that, and uh, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for listening. Um, I will uh, talk to you guys as soon as I can. So for Spandex Planet, this has been 